Are you longing to experience true abundance in your life? Then this podcast with Tosha Silver is for you, as she will be sharing with you why it is that you need to stop chasing abundance in order to truly be abundant. Tosha graduated from Yale with a degree in English literature, but along the way she fell madly in love with yogic philosophy. She's written the amazing books Outrageous Openness and Change My Prayers. And in this interview, we'll talk about her latest book, It's Not Your Money. Hi, Tosha. Thank you, thank you, thank you for connecting with us today. It's always lovely to speak with you. And you've written an amazing book called It's Not Your Money. What inspired you to write this book? Well, I think there's a few answers to that. And one is that people had asked me to teach a course actually about money for a number of years. Like people had written in after they had found outrageous openness and after they found change me prayers, they'd written in and they were like, I love these stories, but how do you really live this? Like I'm reading the stories, but I know there's a disconnection between understanding the stories and actually living a life that really allows this to occur. And so For some reason, people kept asking for a course about the topic of money and letting the divine take the lead. So in 2017, finally got around to doing it, and it was this eight-week course that all these people, hundreds of people came to it, but to tell you the truth, it was not even what I expected, like a dynamism took over that wasn't my plan. And it became this enormous enthusiasm because what started to become clear is as I taught this eight-week course that was just very grounded and practical about here's the steps that you can take to let the divine fully take over your business life and your financial life, what was also happening is people were realizing, oh my God, this isn't just about money. Everything in their life was changing because they were actually learning how to let the divine take the lead in their relationship life, in their health, in their everything. And so as all these miracles were flowing in, all these letters and reactions were constantly coming every day over those eight weeks, it got to be clear that it was a book. And so at that point, the book, you know, took a year and a half to put it together, but it came out of the course. Mm, Fantastic. So what were the main things that you noticed were the steps people had to go through in order to truly let the divine take the lead? Well, I would say one of the things, there's five main steps that are in the book. And one of them, there's many beyond that, but there's five main ones. And one of them was the act of offering, that the way most financial books operate, especially the ones that are about manifesting, are coming from the assumption that all prosperity and abundance belongs to the ego. And if the ego just works harder to try to manifest it and fixate on it and get it and tell the universe over and over what it wants, that that's actually going to bring it. And in fact, what happened in the course and what the same reaction is coming from all the people writing who have read the book, is that you're learning how to be abundance, not how to chase it. Mm. And those are two completely different things. The chasing comes out of the illusion that the ego is separate from it and it has to work harder and harder and harder to try to get it. So there's a whole 
explosion of understanding that comes when the focus becomes being it as opposed to getting it. And so a lot of the steps are predicated on that. And so there are lots of prayers and uh, meditations on making this invitation to the divine and offering all finances and all problems to this force of love. But then there's also a whole section that's about learning how to receive, for example, because Mm -hmm. so many people say, oh, yeah, I'm so frustrated. This doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. But down deep, they don't feel comfortable receiving, especially women who are taught over and over, you know, I need to give. And if only I give more and more and more, maybe I'll be loved. And this just turns us all on the head and says, no, 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 you can learn to become comfortable receiving. And so there's prayers that are specifically for that that are done for the eight weeks about deserving to receive. That is central. There's parts about self-forgiveness. And again, people would say in the course, I'm so angry at myself for a mistake I made 10 years ago. And then that anger and self-flagellation was exactly keeping out what wanted to come next. Mm. And so big part about self-forgiveness. There's a big part about cleaning the house out. And there were literally people that were just entombed with their own, their own places were filled with so much that they didn't need that the new couldn't come in. So there's just a practical, physical part. There's a part about taking psychic cords off to people that we may have absorbed their beliefs about money. That happens a lot where a person grew up in a family where someone was terrified all the time. And so they've absorbed that, but that isn't necessarily the route that is right for them. Mm -hmm. There's so many layers to this, but what's central is that it's not a self-help book, even though for whatever reason, Amazon loves to put on this work in self-help. It's really the opposite of self-help. It's The divine, this force of love is invited to take over, and then we do the action to create space for the divine to take over. It's not self-help. I would say the ultimate divine help. Yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. I have loved it. Um, I've been devouring each page of the book, and it's filled with not only humor, but such incredible wisdom from that. I can feel it inside when I'm reading it because my energy feels lighter. There's one little passage in the book that I'd like to read. And you write in the book, one of the dark legacies of manifestation culture is that many people think we attract every single blessed thing. They assume if only we are perfect enough, we gain VIP entry to a secret Disneyland where nothing bad ever occurs. And then they blame themselves when the inevitable challenges come that are part of incarnate existence. I love that passage. Could you please elaborate on that one? God, you just went straight to one of my favorite passages in the whole book. Because, you know, one of the things that the book says, which I just think is so true, is that it's not that the law of attraction is wrong. It's a piece of the story. And Mm -hmm. we're so trained in Western culture to not think in terms of paradox, but to think black and white, that there's a lot of books out there that simply say just what you read. Law of attraction rules everything. If you think it, it will happen. If you don't think it, you must be blocking it. 
And I know from all the years when I had private clients, you know, 30,000 clients over 30 years, the crazy life, that during that time, there were so many people, it would break my heart just beating themselves relentlessly for not being able to manifest these things. And sure, that if they only did 20 more sessions with whoever, a coach or whatever, to make another vision board, they would finally get it all and they would be out of the way. And in fact, there's a second law that there's many other laws besides the law of attraction, but the other law that I work with in the book a lot that's very often neglected in normal new age discourse is the law of Parabdha Karma. Mm. And Parabdha Karma is that idea that every soul has a curriculum for its own liberation. Every soul comes to earth with a curriculum for what it's here to learn. So those two laws in particular interact a lot. Like, you know, to use an example, I had a period of my life in my 30s that I just wanted a soulmate more than anything in the world. And I believe a rising, I just wanted that. And at that point in my life, it was really blocked. And it wasn't like I was being bad and somehow blocking it. I can understand now, in retrospect, that that was absolutely blocked because those were the years when I was learning how to stand on my own two feet. Mm-hmm. And that a partner simply wasn't going to come who was right for me until I was established on my own two feet. Now, that doesn't mean everybody has that curriculum. Some people meet their partner when they're 19, but every Parabdha Karma is different. And my soul wanted to know how to not get lost in somebody else immediately and just do what I had done countless lifetimes, but rather to be established in me. So it was blocked until that test was passed. And now in retrospect, I'm so grateful. But I watch that go on all the time for people. You know, someone says, oh, if only I could manifest a million dollars, all my problems would be gone. But in fact, their parabdha karma might be in this life to learn how to trust that there will be enough. And even if they got the million dollars, We all know people like this. I do. People that have more money than God, but that doesn't give them peace of mind. Mm, Absolutely. And it's also that thing that I know in my own life, some of those hardest, harshest experiences that I've ever been through, they were also what broke me open so that I could experience spirit more. And it wasn't I'd done anything wrong. I believe that was my, you know, divine assignment. Like you say, the the Paratma Karma, yeah. that my soul had planned that so that yes. I could experience more of the divine. Yes, I really think it's actually tragic that there are teachings that fill people with so much guilt and shame hmm. at their quote-unquote failure at manifesting. There's, I've watched it over and over, so much shame, so much guilt, when in fact, just as you say, it could be the divine assignment. Mm. And once you say yes to that, once you say yes, then bring the assignment on, then ironically, a lot of those other things come anyway, but they don't come with you as a slave. They just come as something to enjoy because you're now free of demanding them. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And it is that when we make that shift in mindset, I was doing um, like a, a meditation recently. I do like shamanic journeys and stuff. And I went back and I was meeting my dad. He's passed over. It was just after my mom died last year. And he was an alcoholic when I grew up and he never provided for us and all of that. And he kept saying to me in the meditation, I was not meant to provide for you. And I went, what? And, and then suddenly... This was such a deep mystical experience for me. Suddenly Christ stepped in and he said, because I am your provider. And then I could suddenly see that that was my paradma karma. Dad wasn't meant yeah. to provide for me because I was meant yeah. to find the source within instead. Yes, yes. God, I love that. You know, what's funny is, again, in the way that sometimes things get twisted, that could get taken out of context by somebody and they could say, oh, this all becomes a way to justify bad behavior on the part of parents. I used to yeah. say it was all meant to be. And, but that's not what that means, no. right? I mean, you knew that when you saw it. Yeah. And, and what I think is that it very often old souls, it's like I really think it is a textbook for old souls, for souls that have been around for many, many lives and they're ready for a consciousness that isn't only on getting the ego shopping list. Yeah. And so I think for an old soul, like yourself, clearly, that and many of the people that find this book, we often come into families that have all kinds of issues because if we're here to learn self-love, if we're here to learn all of that focus that you were just saying of truly that God is the provider and we are the providers. The divine within us is the provider. In the craziest way, we learn it sometimes from being born into very unseemly situations. Mm, absolutely. And I think it's also, I truly, truly believe that. And I remember when I was young, I must have been about 24, and I suddenly realized I had a choice. I could either choose to see myself as a victim or I could choose yes. to see it as, a, as something that actually taught me so much about myself. And I chose the yes. latter. And from there on, I yes. started to heal. And, but yes. it was making that decision that, yes, it's happened, but how do I choose to view it? Yes, exactly. And that's what you write in, in your book about the Paradma Karma. And I love that bit. I really did. <laughs> when I was reading this in your book, I went, yes, yes I love this. Because yeah. it is about, yes, it's your divine curriculum, but you get to choose how you move through it. Yes. And as soon as there's that, you know, when they say that resistance creates obstruction, mm. it's like as soon as there's that place where you can say yes to it, something starts to shift. And, you know, one of the reasons I wrote the book is because people were always saying to me, easier said than done. How do you say yes to something when you hate it? And what I always would think is you actually can pray to be able to say yes. Mm. It's not a reliance that the ego, of course, the ego is like, oh, I'm not saying yes to this. This is screwed up. I don't want this. But once you know it's the divine curriculum, then so much of the book is really based on invitation, divine mm. invitation. It's not chasing. It's not working harder. It's a constant relaxing into divine invitation. And so once you're saying, let me open, let me relax into the truth of what family I was born in, let me bless it, even if it was the most horrible of things, 
let me bless it as the divine curriculum so now the fruits can all come. Like that's the thing is I think the resentment and the victimization blocks the fruits. Of course, because it blocks so, that flow coming into exactly your experience. It yeah, It blocks the flow. Somebody wrote me that the other day and they said you... You should have given it a different title and you should have made it something like, you know, how to truly live the flow. And I was like, well, that's good, but I don't think as many people would find it. Like if you get to people on the topic of money yeah, and they can learn how to do this with money, they can learn how to do it with anything. Yeah. So obviously the whole topic of the podcast is to let spirit lead. And some of the uh-huh. most common questions I get from people is that, okay, so I want to let spirit lead and I do surrender, but how do I know what the guidance is? So how can right. I actually let spirit lead? Or I want to let spirit lead, but, you know, give me some instructions. And what can you share here, please? Well, one thing I would say is get the book. The book is so practical that it actually has a a whole long chapter that's very much about that. How do you follow the inner guidance? And there's a lot of layers to it. I don't think it's a one quick answer. I mean, I think one is it's a muscle that develops. Over, Sorry, I have suddenly a cat fight is going on. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so part of it is the practice of simply doing it. Uh, but another one is that there's prayers in the book that are like, okay, God, I'm not quite sure. I know what you're telling me. Can you send a clearer sign? Or even you can say, I think I know what you're saying, but if I'm headed the wrong way, stop me now. That's one of my favorite prayers. Mm -hmm. I use it all the time. You know, you're concretely in the action. Stop me now if this is delusion or if this is an error. And so there's, to me, the whole thing is about a deepening conversation with the inner divine. And it's taken that way as opposed to a test to pass. You know what I mean? Like, I think one of the reasons I was so happy to write the book is over the years, I felt how there were so many genuinely spiritual people with deep longings to know the divine, but they were so scared of doing it wrong or making a mistake or, you know, there were so many layers that had come out of kinds of teaching that were like, oh, you know, you better not make an error and And this is the opposite of that. This is a love affair. You go deeper and deeper into the love affair as you invite it more and more. And so when you're not sure which way to go, you simply refine the question more or do more direct prayers. And sometimes you don't get an answer because it's simply not time to know yet. Mm. That's very key. That's why it's so different from manifesting. Sometimes God just lets us rest in the mystery until it's time to know. And no answer for right now is the answer, and then it gets shown. One of the things I think that's really useful in the book is that there's a whole focus on divine source, which means that no person, place, or thing is your source, only God. And you, over the weeks of doing this, learn how to rest more and more in divine source. And as you do that, certain decisions become much less frantic because you start to trust that what you need to know will be shown. Mm -hmm. And if you're not shown yet, you may not need to know it yet. It's an organic 
process, it starts to open because, again, I think in Western culture, everything's equally like, I need it now and I want it now and where is it? And this is the opposite. You start to know that if divine source is ruling your life, if you need it, it comes. If you don't need it yet, it's delayed. Exactly. And that's also when we then start to trust that through divine source, everything will be provided for you rather than staring ourselves blind at an avenue. There's a great part in the book that I really enjoy. This woman wrote in, she'd had a divorce and she was just so mad that she didn't get the settlement that she wanted from her husband. And she was just every day been angry about this. And she constantly lived in fear and scarcity. Like, only I'd gotten a better settlement, I would have this money. And I'm so mad, I'm so mad, I'm so mad. And when she finally started to understand these teachings. She finally said, okay, what if I really did get the settlement for whatever crazy reason, this is what was meant to be, but God is my source. Mm-hmm. The husband never was. The husband is what God was using at that juncture in my life, but God remains my source now, whether that guy's around or not. And so once she really got that and relaxed into that, Suddenly, this woman was a mechanical engineer who all of a sudden, this job came that was like three times her normal salary. Wow. And suddenly, she didn't need more support from him. Yeah. She was abundant. She was abundant beyond what she could imagine. But that job, I'm convinced, would never have come if she hadn't made the shift on the inside. She had so much rage about the settlement, that nothing could come in. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly it comes as well. Another similar thing happened with a friend of mine who started to really apply this stuff. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, he bought some Bitcoin like seven years ago when it was a nothing. And he accidentally found the file. While he was reading the book, he found the file that suddenly he thought, wow, I wonder whatever came of this. And he opened the file and he discovered that he had like $150,000. Oh, my God. And, you know, he'd suddenly gone from like living on people's couches, literally, to like, here's this. And, And so, you know, I think this is definitely a piece of how this can work. One more thing I guess I want to add to that. Because then there's always the people that say, I'm doing these practices and nothing like that's happening. So what am I doing wrong? There's also a chapter called, you're not crazy, you're being tested. Because sometimes what also happens is going back to the parapta karma, if the person has had some beliefs, who knows, past lives, this life, whatever, that need to be excavated, sometimes things even get worse for a little bit, Mm. where they're really having to go so deep into that place of divine source and say, even despite all appearances, even despite whatever tests you're sending me, you alone are my source and I Mm. rest in that. Mm. So I want to say that too, because Mm. it's a process that simultaneously brings the external miracles and at the same time uproots the false beliefs from the past. Absolutely. So it's like you go deep and that's when things sometimes can be a bit challenging, (laughs) but you go deeper and deeper. But there's a beauty in that deepness too, because although it's challenging, you also feel that enormous presence and it's like you're being held by God and it's a sacred experience. And then 
once you've gone that deep, then it's like the miracles come in and then you go deep again and then more miracles come in and it's like this it's, kind of... It's a spiral yeah. and I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that what happens is as the muscle strengthens, it really is like going to a spiritual gym. As the muscle strengthens, as mm. the muscle strengthens, you get these little tests and you don't panic anymore. Mm. You know, you get a loss. And you know that line in, I guess it is in the Bible, the line that says in, in God's world, there is no gain or loss. That is the fundamental understanding of the book. It's not about making sure that there's never a loss. This is the nature of existence. There's mm-hmm. always going to be some losses, but you stop worrying when you're resting in divine source. Yeah, beautiful. So would you mind taking us through those three different levels of oh, yeah. offering? Yeah, so basically, and, and you know, this partly came to me because uh, I teach this forum online that, you know, people can find me there if they like. It's on my website, and it's called Living Outrageous Openness, and it's really about how to do these steps on a practical level. So in this forum, I was really noticing that there were people that would say, oh, you know, I offered all my finances to the divine, and if anything, my money went down, or or I offered my marriage to the divine, and if anything, we're fighting more, so what good is that? So there's these three levels of offering that I've just witnessed over and over, and at level one, it's basically there's no offering. It's kind of, in general, I'd say how we're taught to think in the Western culture. It's like, everything is mine. If I don't get what I want, I'm going to be really angry, frustrated, or hopeless. And, you know, maybe I can sort of, you know, do a few tricks to try to manifest stuff, but it all basically belongs to the ego. And so that's level one. Then there's level two. And at level two, there's an interest in the idea of offering an intellectual interest, and it often comes just because the person's suffering. You know, Mm -hmm. you suffer long enough with things go up, things go down, or constant loss, or whatever, and you're like, wow, maybe I'm interested in learning how to turn it over. Maybe I actually want to learn this. But it's an intellectual interest, and when you say to the person, who does the money actually belong to, and they really had to be honest, they'd say, it's mine, and I want more. Or, you know, it's my marriage, and I want it to get better. Or I want the right house now. You know, Mm. it's still, the my is still central. None of these are criticisms. They're just levels of, I guess, observation. At level three, the my has been cast. The burden has been cast. And it becomes the house, the marriage, the money. So the offering is no longer a tool to try to get what the person wants. The offering is now a true offering to love. Let the highest occur. And when that level three comes in, there's unbelievable freedom. Because you can watch, you know, things go up, things go down, but you're resting in that place that knows that every true need will always be met. And so the thing that I've really discovered is There's lots of people writing me now, whether they're from the forum or they're from reading the book, that they're at level two, and they're suddenly seeing how to move into level three, where it's not just the my rolling it. Perfect. So does that that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's also the difference in the feeling within you 
Because as you move into level three, you just totally allow yourself to trust that you're being held yeah. and supported yeah. and used yeah. by this yeah. force, by this source that will use you to be more of yeah. service to others. And including, yeah. obviously, at the same time, nourish you and provide for you at the same time. But it is yeah. about stepping into that, allowing yourself to be a conduit. And it's amazing when that happens because you feel grace move through you. Yes, it's very spacious. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny because that thing, that, that simple trick of releasing the my and saying the instead, yeah. for some people, takes them straight from level two to level three. Yeah. Because they're just in the trance of, my, my, my. Because that's, you know, what else would we know? That's what's valued. I think one of the things that's really powerful in the book is that a friend of mine said this to me the other day. He said, you know, money really is king. Money really is God in so much of Western culture that it's so powerful to turn things on its head and say, what if you actually restored God, restored love to being love, <laughs> made that the real ruler, and then money is just part of what gets offered, like you're taking money off of a throne that it doesn't deserve. Mm. Beautiful. That was really beautiful. Yeah. I still remember when I interviewed Lisa Rankin and she was going through her divorce and she had been speaking with you, and you said to her, it's not your house, your money, your book, your child. It's God's money. It's God's book. It's God's house. Yeah. It's God's child. And how she then totally let it go. And as she went into the yeah. divorce proceedings with her husband, they both suddenly agreed. And they had yeah. been at loggerheads for a while before that. And it is that shift. Yeah. Yes, I think that that shift inside of her probably saved thousands and thousands of dollars of lawyer fees. I'm sure. It's like, you know, you, because you suddenly make the space yeah. for the other person to meet you. There's no longer uh, this wall of fire that's keeping the good from coming in. I think that's one of the ways that this works is as you're, you know, it's so understandable that... Of course, like when somebody says this is very hard to do, it's hard to do from the level of ego. It's not hard for God to do inside of you. Mm, exactly. It's impossible for the ego to do. The ego ego's finding its identity from making a my of everything. Yeah. Well, the moment you move into level three, the ego has lost its hold on you. When you're really in that level three, you may have seen this, it's like, you're not arguing with the ego. You're just sending it love. Mm. Yeah. You don't, you're not in a fight with it. The, the fight with the ego is still happening at level two. Whose money is it going to be? I'm scared. Da, 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 da. When you're in the level three, it's so spacious mm. that I think that the part of the book that's about working with the inner child is very helpful with dealing with the ego because so often that voice that says, oh my God, if we give all the money to God, what if we lose it all? Or, it's so often the child on the inside. And so there's this big part of the book that's all about how to nurture and care for that scared part without shaming it, without blaming it, letting it have all of its feelings. Mm. Uh, the big part of the book that's about having your feelings instead of that God-forsaken idea that you know negative feelings are going to create your reality, so you better never feel them. 
all they do is stay locked in the body. You let them out and they dissipate. Yeah. And and they show you their teachings as they move exactly. through you. Uh, it's such a beautiful wisdom in that when we allow ourselves to embrace that. So I know you've already mentioned it with the energetic cords clearing. So obviously doing shamanic energy medicine work, we work a lot with that because we work in how we can yeah. inherit things through our ancestors. And I've had yeah. so much stuff I've been clearing since my mom passed. It's like as she passed, I have allowed so many things that I felt that she carried and that I carried yeah. also with her. Uh, to come up and be cleansed through me. So I felt I've been releasing stuff from her and her ancestors, and it's been yeah. mind-blowing to see how much we carry. Yeah. And that's why when I read about the, doing the energetic court clear in your book, I love that because often our programming is so deep yeah. that we can get stuck at level one and level two, often from these previous programs that are running yeah. in us that we have no yeah. conscious awareness of. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of meditations in the book for going in, seeing it. I mean, to me, it's not really esoteric. It's very practical. I've done some of those meditations with people that were quite skeptical, actually. And then they're like, holy God, I went in my power center and it was, you know, every angry relative I've ever had. There was a whole party in there. So it's very powerful to be able to release it. So, you know, we just try to encompass all the topics that are part of this because, you know, one thing I found is somebody said to me a couple weeks ago on the forum, you know, she said, I was always doing these practices like, I am abundant and I, I am wealthy and in every moment, just nothing was ever happening. Like she goes, they just felt like words. And she said, now I'm understanding they really are only words until some of this other clearing occurs. Mm. I think it's not to diminish the power of positive thought. Again, just like the law of attraction, there's power to it. But what is it that takes an affirmation to move from just a nice thought into a body reality? Mm. It becomes a body reality when what isn't needed is released. Mm, absolutely. And it's like you have in the book about you release the physical clutter. And obviously now you also would then release the emotional clutter so that you create more of that space and you free the hold the past has had on you by doing that. Yeah. So instead, yeah. the divine source can fill you up with something new. There's more space within you for that That's to it. flow through. That's it. That's it. It's almost like I think some of these practices, if they try to be done without the actual release of what's not needed, they're just more clutter added yeah. to the story. But when you're actually, you know, that line that says nature abhors a vacuum, if you clear out on the physical, on the mental, on the emotional levels, what isn't needed and the book systematically takes people through that, then there's space mm. for a divine plan to actually enter. Yeah. And then that will then guide you into the next unfolding. Yes. Yeah. And then that divine light starts to 
guide you into something beautiful, something new that is beyond what the ego mind would have come up with. That's it. It's so far beyond it. Like you you really get to see how short-sighted the ego mind is. Not that, you know, have compassion for it. You're like, I know, honey, you want this, you want that, you're frustrated. But it's so far beyond that because the spaciousness begins to come in. And then when the things start to birth, once the clearing is occurring and the invitations are really made over and over, this birth starts to happen of what wants to come. And so many of the letters are people going, I could not have dreamed this up for the life of me. You couldn't make this up because divine intelligence is so far beyond. There's a good line from Ajashanti, who I love. He's a Zen teacher. He has a line where he says, what the universe can manifest through you when given permission is so beyond what you yourself could ever manifest. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I think that is the foundation of the book. Yes. You know, it's like, why would you want to manifest anything? The universe, the divine manifestation is so beyond any of the rest of that. It makes it look like child's play. Hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that. Would you mind finishing with a, a prayer for us? You know what's so funny? God, we're on this psychic beam together. I was just thinking, can I read that full abundance change me prayer? This is the prayer that's one of the steps. Divine beloved, allow me to give with complete ease and abundance, knowing you are the unlimited source of all. Let me be an easy, open conduit for your prosperity. Let me trust that all my own needs are always met in amazing ways and that it's safe to give freely as my heart guides. And equally, let me feel wildly open to receiving. May I know my own value, beauty, and worthiness without question. Let me allow others the supreme pleasure of giving to me. May I feel worthy to receive in every possible way. Change me into one who can fully love, forgive, and accept myself so I may carry your light without restriction. Let everything that needs to go, go. Let everything that needs to come, come. I am utterly your own. You are me. I am you. We are one. All is well. I love so many aspects of that prayer, but one of my favorite ones is to let everything that needs to go, go, and everything that needs to come, come, because that's, that's like the essence for me. I think in some ways that's what we've been talking about the whole time, is, yeah. is that without that invitation, let what needs to go, go, what needs to come, come, has trouble coming. Yeah. Yeah. So, and if something is meant to be, and it's wonderful in your life, and it's useful and it's needed for the spiritual evolution, of course, it, it won't go, because it's there through divine providence. If you want to find out more about Tosha, then visit toshasilver.com. You also find her on Instagram and on Facebook. And if you'd like to find out more about how you can know whether you're listening to the voice of spirit or the ego then why not tune in to my podcast on exactly this topic? It also includes a guided meditation where you get to meet your inner teacher, this presence of love who knows the truth of who you are and who can guide your thoughts back to love. 
And if you'd like to receive a free guided meditation, then visit cesarwilliams.com. And I'm sending you lots and lots of love until our next week's episode. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye.